Strike for another episode of First Strike. Welcome to the show. Uh, a little nervous. I'll explain why. Derek knows the reason. Before we start the show, we're going to shout out our main sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. I completely forgotten that I had brought my webcam to work. So I came home uh, today not realizing that I don't have a webcam. So now I'm sort of have my mic to my desktop and really ghetto set up with my phone acting as my webcam. So I hope things are okay. And I hope the quality is still better than, than Lombardi when he was on his robot internet. Uh, tonight, really happy to have Edgar Magalhaes back on the show. Uh, lots of people were tagging me, telling me I had to invite him again because his team top forward, the SCG Cincinnati team uh, open, team constructed uh, with one of our friends, um, Matthew Dilks and uh, uh, Tarek Patel. So I recognize those names, uh, Dilks especially, has continually been building his legend. Um, maybe he's as good as I keep thinking. I keep shouting him out and, and saying that uh, he's someone to watch out for because uh, I've been seeing his legacy results and stuff like that. And sure enough, uh, it sounded like he was crushing it once again, wasn't he, Edgar? Yeah, Dokes, Dokes was doing really well the entire time. I mean, he's just a very underrated Magic player and, and probably one of the best Lance players in the world, so it's no surprise. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I saw him, and then like when I was sweating you guys in, in like the top four, he was already 2-0. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's what, for sure. I, I had the confidence in him. So welcome back to the show, Edgar. Last time, we, we basically had you and Derek go at it for on Blood Braid and... Uh, Jason Mind Sculptor didn't pick your brain completely on the deck, uh, as one listener pointed out on Twitter. But we're going to do that. You uh, brought Amulet Titan uh, to the tournament, and you even wrote an article on SCG about it. But when you, when we were when we originally had you on the show, you were talking about uh, John and, and Keith Capstick uh, as Bruce. What made you go back to Amulet? Uh, Amulet's just kind of my pet deck at this point, and like. I just win a lot more with it than anything else, and I think that comes a lot with familiarity with the deck. And I do think the deck's underrated, and although I was trying other stuff with Jace and Bloodbray when those got unbanned, like, if I want to do well at a big tournament, I'm, I'm going to play Amulet. Uh, like, in the article, you had mentioned how, you know, Summer Bloom is banned, but uh, Sakura Tribe Scout can do, in a lot of situations, when, when they don't when you're against non-interactive matchups, it might just be just as good? It's definitely not just as good, but it's, it's not as much worse as people think it is. Uh, when, when they don't kill your scout and you have your amulet, then you get to play a turn three primeval titan. And with Summer Bloom, it, it was turn two, but the games that you played on turn three are basically deterministic on their own. So like it, it creates this like very similar impression in the matchups where they can't interact with your skill, which is definitely the matchups you need to be fast with Amulet. And I think you ended the article saying how with, you felt comfortable in the new metagame with everyone playing Jace's and Bloodbraid Elf type decks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the thing that people didn't realize about Amulet, even when Summerbloom was legal, that it was, is that it was actually the deck with the most inevitability in the format. And that's still true because a lot of decks just aren't capable of beating like the Titan Squadron Hawk Chain where 
you get Tolari West and you get a Simic Growth Chamber and you, your Titan turns into another Titan and so on and so forth. And when everyone's doing a bunch of Jace and Bloodbraid nonsense and trying to grind out games really long, you're just going to you're going to outvalue them and you're going to crush them. Um, after initially uh, when we had you on, we had uh, the sky is falling, Derek Pite talking about uh, Jace, turn, turn for Jace and stuff like that. And, and now we're looking at top, we bring this up every week. Uh, we're looking at top eight deck lists. We're not seeing Jace and uh, completely crush the metagame and, and stuff like that. What is your current take of uh, modern and the, the inbannings? Um, I, I think it's fine as it sits right now, but I think I forget who was saying it on Twitter that people are still like people aren't like trying new things as much as they should, and they're trying to like shoehorn cards into old strategies, and it's possible that uh, like the right J shell hasn't been emerged yet. But I'm definitely lower on the card than I was in previous weeks, and it hasn't really been performing up to par. Or not up to par, but like it hasn't been dominating, like obviously. So it's hard to go against the results. Um, like, did you get a sense of what the feel was? Was it diverse as always, or were we seeing more uh, humans? Like, humans took down the, the Moto PTQ, it took down the GP recently. Um, you know, that's not, it's not scared of the Jace and Blood Braid and Banning. So, um, what were you seeing uh, in your seat? It was pretty diverse, but. Uh... What tends to happen with team tournaments is that people tend to uh, deviate towards like a smaller subset of decks, like closer towards the, the top of the tier list. And I think the only deck I played against multiple times was, uh, well, like excluding the top eight, because I played against the same team more than once. But the only deck I played against multiple times was Humans, I think, where I played against them three times. But looking around, it looked pretty diverse. I, I still played against Valaka, I played against John, Blue Eye Red. Like people were just playing their modern decks, which is just. Just the way it's always been in modern. People just play what they want to. Uh, on the game podcast, I think Jerry was, was thinking about going to GP Phoenix uh, because he felt like he was going to bring humans because he felt like it was under the radar, ended up winning the tournament, and it's still doing well. Won the uh, MTGO event, like I just said. I think with multiple copies in the top eight and also other copies uh, littered in the top 16, top 32. Um, so how, how's that matchup? And you, you, and you, it was the one deck that you played multiple times. How was, how's that matchup play out? So I ended up going two and three against it. Um, or sorry, two and one against it. I won two out of three matches. But my one loss was like pretty unfortunate. I think I got pretty unlucky to lose. Overall, I don't think the matchup is fantastic. I think you're a slight favorite. It actually comes down a little bit to how well the humans deck knows your list, because uh, what to name with meddling mage or like how you're going to function, how much mana you can make, can be really relevant on turns. They need to like leave up reflector mage and vial. Uh, but I do think you're a slight favorite. I made some concessions in my list because I expected to play against humans. Uh, more times than normal because I recently won a Grand Prix and I know that some SCQ grinders like to play like Jonathan Rossum and uh, Collins Mullins. So like I played uh, some Dismembers in my sideboard and Fire Spouts as my sweeper of choice as opposed to Kozilek's Return or Pyroclasm because I thought the extra point of damage would be relevant against Meddling Mage and Mantis Rider stuff. So I was definitely taking the deck into consideration going into this weekend and got rewarded because of it. And I, th- I think the deck is favored because of that. Hmm. What, should be pe- what should people be naming against you? And, and, and were people wrong over the weekend? Oh, with Meddling Mage, that is. 
nobody was ever wrong. Uh, the first one should almost always name Primeval Titan. And then after that, uh, you have to name either... It depends on what game it is, but if it's game one and you name Engineered Explosives and Walking Ballista, if you have three meddling mages, uh, the amulet deck is just locked out at that point. As long as one of them is not a Phantasmal image, because you can, you can get rid of that with a Slayer Stronghold activation. Uh, but after board, it gets more complicated because of the dismembers and the fire spouts. But the first one should almost always name Primeval Titan. Um, and, and looking over your article, you, you had mentioned that some people are looking at your list might be curious that you have like four Asuza, but you're a very strong proponent about that. And, and I assume that uh, you're pretty happy with, with your specific. I don't I'm actually looking at your article. I'm not sure if you actually copied it card for card for the SCG. No, I made a few changes for the SCG, but nothing major. The main deck is mostly the same. Uh, I think I might have just changed one land. I do think four Azusa is a must in the deck. And like, it's kind of hard because not a lot of people play the deck, so there's not really like, a consensus stock list or anything. Like, There's like sprinkles of 5-0 lists and stuff like that. But a lot of people do play three Azusa, and like back when Summerbloom was legal, the deck would play one or two Azusas. Uh, I think you have to play four if you play this deck. The, the number of games you win when Azusa's in your opening hand is just so much higher than the games you don't have it. And I would always rather draw two than draw zero for that reason. Makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, I, actually, shout out to you for making it on uh, SCG uh, Premium because uh, I think you deserve to. Being such a known proponent of the deck and also like one of the chief pilots of it, uh, proud to see that and, and seeing you uh, describe some unique. Uh, deck cho- uh, card choices, it, it's just super awesome, man. Edgar, uh, really happy to see that. <laughs> um, you, you, so what matchups are are you not afraid to face and what are you scared to? In, just to summarize. Uh, the, the joke going around is that Amulet has no bad matchups, which is <laughs> <laughs> something that I've been saying for a while. You basically, like, in the, in the past few tournaments that I've played the deck, the majority of my losses have been to the card Blood Moon. And that's just, that's just always going to be the biggest issue for the deck. Um, you don't have a good game plan for it. You have a Reclamation save, you have some forests, but nothing is reliable. And the decks that play it, they're, they're probably going to beat you for the most part. Um, so that's the scariest thing. If, if there's a lot of Blood Moons going around, it's, it's tough to play this deck. But besides that, like, it's really just like a bunch of fringe strategies that are that are good against it i guess storm's not that fringe right now it's back on the uptick but it wasn't that popular for a little while stuff like gario's vengeance is bad just like more degenerate combo decks that you don't have a good avenue of attacking uh with your like hate cards like engineered explosives then those are the matchups that you don't really want to face because i'm always curious there's like all these degenerate combo decks uh, like you mentioned storm we had Final nub with Grishel Brand on all these different decks. It's like, why? When does one decide which one to play uh, out of these degenerate combos? And for you, is it just deck familiarity? Uh, you just want to be known as the Amulet Titan Master? Or what is it? I mean, who would want to be known about that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I actually don't think. I think that Amulet is different than other combo decks. In fact, I don't really view it as a combo deck per se. And I think that's where a lot of the a big thing that people don't understand about the deck and why I get a lot of wins is because people think that the deck only has one avenue to victory. Okay. But the fact that the deck is so good going into the late game is what I really like about it. Because you have these quick Titan games, you have this possibility of winning on turn two, turn three, when you need to, when, when people are doing degenerate things. 
but when people are disrupting you, you're also able to go long and play like a turn six Titan that tutors up another Titan and, and just grind people out. And I think that's, it's kind of an elegant thing about the deck and it's kind of neat that you have this like toolbox package, but it also gives the deck multiple ways to attack uh, different ways people are attacking you. Mm, okay. Um, Derek, take it away. Um, I have so many more questions about what you guys allowed Tarek to register for standard than just about anything else. Like I was looking at this deck list while you were talking about modern, like an unplayable format. And he's just playing like 10 cards that I would just never register. Uh, but I guess the one thing I should ask is, uh, why are you playing, uh, Tyler's tracker? Yeah. So Tyler's tracker is a card that I played for a while. Um, and I was kind of a fan of it when the mid-range deck of choice was Death Shadow, because it was, it was a relevant threat against them. They were actually more removal light than like a typical Jun deck, and it could really take over the game, and clocking them was a, was a thing, because they deal so much, so much damage to themselves, sometimes Tracker would just kill them in one hit, which is what you want to do against Death Shadow. Uh, but with people moving to like actual Jun decks that like... And like the Jun decks, because of what I was saying before, the, they can't go long against you, so they're trying to kill you quick. I don't think you want to be dirtling with Tireless Tracker, because you're going to win those games anyways. And I decided to play more obstinate Baylos for that reason, so that I could be like quick goif into Lily Draws, or uh, gain life against them when they curve out into Bloodbraid Elf and stuff like that. Uh, so, I, I want to like... At, at the Pro Tour, you played the Blue Rights blue-red spells deck, right? That Dilks made the finals or won the face-to-face open with, right? Um, and then you played Amulet at Toronto, and then Bloodbraid and Jace got unbanned. Do you think that the, the unbanning has shaped the format so much that Amulet is better now than it was then? Or do you think people are so focused on Bloodbraid and Jace that everybody's actually just ignoring the other good decks like Storm, Amulet. And do you, do you think, like, like, do you actually believe that Amulet's good, or do you think it's, like, a meta choice, like Storm? I, I don't think it's a meta choice, but there are metas where, like, it would be unplayable. Like, specifically, there was a lot of Blood Moon or other degenerate decks. The reason I didn't play it at the Pro Tour was because I expected a lot of humans and I expected a lot of Blood Moon, and I didn't think that my humans matchup was great at the time because I hadn't quite figured it out yet. Um, but no, I, I, don't, I don't view Amulet as a medic choice. I, I do just think the deck's underrated, and there's a lot of, like... There's always a lot of stigma when a deck gets a card banned that people think that it becomes unplayable. Um, but once people figure out that, like, it was banned because it was too good, not because it was just good enough and now it's unplayable, like, it, it can get banned and then go from too good to just good enough for the format. And I, I think that's that would be the case. And I think that people are there's such a high barrier to entry with the deck because it's it's kind of hard to win with it when you're starting out because it's so complicated that people just kind of dismiss it. I think that's a good point. Um, there's also I see that there it was a copy that made it in the top eight of a classic. I love that you mentioned the whole uh, the stigma. And I also Edgar, I think I do the. Remember doing the reverse also when people are overexcited about a certain card jumping in from a new set, jumping into an existing archetype. I'm like, oh man, this obviously pushes it over to the top. But if the deck was already solid to begin with, the new card um, 
it has to be like a significant upgrade over what it's replacing or else it's not a huge upgrade either. So I was always too excited about a new deck or an existing archetype getting new tools, but I didn't push the percentage as high as I thought in my mind. So uh, it's good to hear you talk about how even when a, when a card is banned, it doesn't mean the archetype is dead. It, it depends on how terrible the replacement is. And uh, sometimes, like sometimes if you're just getting rid of four cards may, maybe it doesn't hurt as, as much as uh, you think it does. So uh, I definitely thought I was probably one of the people that thought the deck was dead, but glad to see you uh, pull it from, from the grave and, and have a great result with it. Um, what we're Derek sort of bringing up the, the team aspect of it. So you, you, you teamed with uh, your two teammates, um, one known to be a legacy expert. So what was the, the preparation? Do you just went in and, and let each other do their own thing? Yeah, so both my teammates are great, and they're also two of my closest friends, which is nice, because I think that part of a good team dynamic is uh, being able to trust your teammates. And I think that's a big part of our success for this weekend, because not that to say that we, we did everything separately, because we did discuss, we had discourse for, for different parts of all of our lists, and like the merits of doing one thing over another. But one thing that we were able to do was we were able to reserve judgment to the player playing the deck at all times during the tournament and i think that was really important i think a lot of people in team tournaments they they try to help their teammates too much maybe because they think they're better than their teammates or for whatever reason and that one gives away information to the opposing team and it also can sometimes create a a too many cooks in the kitchen type scenario where there's so much information going around in such a short time frame like during a match that uh it it just has a, a negative impact so like during the tournament, we, we were really play our own matches for the most part. Like sometimes me and Tarek would double team towards the end, but we have good synergy because we're such good friends that we were able to do that. In terms of preparation, everyone kind of just tested on their own and then asked questions where they, they felt necessary. Like bo- both of my teammates also play Amulet on and off, so I was able to shoot some ideas with them and Tarek would flow some ideas with Standard for us, but he was the one playing the most, so if he said something was better, we, we just trusted him on that. Derek, any more qu- questions about their? Uh... Oh, I have so many questions, <laughs> but I really don't want to derail. Um, one thing I guess I'll start with is: Is there anything you would change? Um, decks, uh, like players playing the decks, um, would you change anything <laughs> in like players your playing the deck? Like oh, I don't know, oh, like maybe... shots fired. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that wasn't a stuff I. Listen, all right. That wasn't that wasn't a shot. All right, I don't do that around here. I'm a very nice individual. Just, just a serious question. No, I, I don't. I don't think I would change anything. There's probably a couple choices we could have made in the Grixis deck that was better, but uh, we did discuss. Tarek made a lot of deck building considerations because he thought the green white deck was going to be more popular than it ended up being, and we we discussed that with Tengjum after the fact. And Tarek plays a lot online. And he was kind of biased by that. And Tangum had realized that the real-life metagame is usually like two weeks behind the Moto metagame. And if we took that into consideration, maybe we would have had more tools to fight like the Constrictor decks and less tools to fight the green-white decks that we didn't end up playing against at all. Yeah, I, uh, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, if, if, you, if you're playing Moto a lot, you're usually two weeks ahead. So if you try to next-level them, 
you actually next level yourself because you just lose to everything that's behind you. And you can definitely see that looking at his list. Like he's playing two blood fast in the main, a reg- revolutionary rebuff, an extra magma spray. He caught a harness lightning and he's only playing one essence scatter. I assume there was quite a bit of snake and probably a bit of red floating around. Um, and probably a lot of Grix's mirrors. Uh, so I think that you can definitely see that in his deck. But he's only playing 26 lands, which is like, amazing to me because i play 27 and i always feel like i need at least five more uh yeah um and one one other thing so i i noticed they did some player profiles on you i just want to ask some questions about that um so dilk says what was what was the most memorable moment of the tournament nothing i haven't seen a million times i guess edgar top decking the nuts could you please explain what this is about uh yeah sure so so we played against uh Benjamin Nikolic in like the third last or second last round uh still live for top eight and he was playing blue eye wreck control we were we were the deciding match and game two I was down a game I had copied his Escanta with my Vesuva and I was activating that every turn so the game ended up going twenty thirty minutes and I ended up winning I ended up squeaking out a close one and going into game three we had maybe three minutes left on our clock and my opening hand just has two amulets and an explorer but no titan and so i just go amulet amulet explore and miss and then on his turn three he cliques me on my draw step sees no titan and decides to take a walking ballista out of my hand which would have been like a five five or a four four or something and killed his clique and started clocking him and when it went on the bottom of my library i drew a titan and attacked him for like 50 damage or something so that, that was nice that was nice <laughs> all right all right that was a good one i don't know if these next questions are going to top it i got another question um so <laughs> Tarek, it says why did you play the deck you played this weekend because edgar vetoed any deck with winding constrictor okay first of all that was wrong and then open bracket despite it probably being the best deck see me and Tarek are on the same page here what was the most memorable moment of the tournament? Watching Edgar's face as Winding Constrictor beat the crap out of me. So I just want to, can I, can I get a, a record here? Like Winding Constrictor isn't that bad or? I mean, what, what's a better scoreboard? The, the player profile or the fact that we top four the event? Definitely the player profile. The player profile is like, player profile, you could win the tournament twice and the player profiles would be better. Come on. I mean, like, I, just, I, I I have a gripe with the card winding instructor. Every time I've played Saltai or Black Green and like a PTQ or something, it's just been the worst card in my deck. And I kind of just vowed to never play it again. I will you say were- that I, I reneged on that veto and he decided to play Grixis anyways, but he'll tell you otherwise. Uh, okay. we, we ended up still doing good. And I don't, I don't think Constrictor would have necessarily been better. It's, it's tough to say, but whatever. Oh. I'm I'm just like maybe maybe you just need to jam constrictor as much as you jam amulet and then maybe you'll get the results you're looking for. But uh I, I don't judge. So yeah, that's all that's all I have to say about that for now. Um it didn't even make like it made one copy made the top eight, I think. And it didn't even make the any copies made the top eight of the classic, so Oh, the constrictor uh, deck? Yeah. Yeah, the deck's trash. Don't play it. It's not good. <laughs> it's not very good at all. I, uh, I was losing to it with Grixis, and I just decided to bring in five extra cards, and now I just can't lose to it. What are the five extra cards? Essence Scatter. Um, I 
start bringing in blood fast and two doom falls. And like, I just can't really lose if I draw one of those five cards in combination with other removal. And like, I don't know. I don't know why people are still playing it. Cause I don't think it's very good. You can't beat the white go wide decks. Uh, that's the next tech next week. Watch out for those white go wide decks. People. Good thing this RPTQ is uh, limited. <laughs> um, any wrap up questions for, for Edgar, uh, Dirk? What's it like to run so hot? Like you just, oh, just like like you you squeaked into top eight when uh, team tournaments are normally top four, and then you just like you somehow get into top four anyways. Like it doesn't matter. Like what happened day two? I just I just want to know. You know what's it like? We actually ran really bad on day two, so squeaking into into top eight was kind of just the variance balancing it, itself out. There was one round where we died up a match to two consecutive one-outers in game threes in the other two matches. So, uh, so, so that, that was, that was nice, but, uh, yeah. And I've, I've been on, on a heater a bit. Ha- having great teammates for the event was nice. Like, I, I think we would have, if we ran it back, we would have had a good chance of top eighting again. I, I liked our preparation. I liked our teamwork and I think team events are pretty low variance. So. Oh, I was I was gonna ask. Uh, do you think your your place in the tournament was correct? Do you think you should have done better, or do you think you should have done worse? I mean, it's hard to it's hard to bet that you would do better than top four. Right? We're not like, talking about betting. We don't bet on <laughs> okay, whatever. Okay, of results. <laughs> don't say that. All right. It's hard to think that you can do better on average because, like, there, Magic is still a variance game, but. Yeah, I, I think we were within the top percentage of, of teams there, and we, we had good prep for the tournament, and Dilks never loses in, in, in Legacy when he plays against fair decks, and team tournaments are very very skewed to fair decks, and the same is true in Modern, that people tend to play a lot of fair decks, and Amulet's very good against those. So like, I think we, were, we, were, we had a pretty good shot, and I was happy with the result. <laughs> Uh, certainly doesn't look like he loses. Uh, while we have you here, Edgar, I know that uh, our listeners and our fans, it's a silly topic that comes up every, uh, I feel like it comes up every few months, but we're going to try to limit ourselves to just a few minutes of this, which is the whole handshake talk, and we just want to get it over with uh, quickly. Uh, but one quick about basically the standards of what people should do. Um, I thought the Tom Ross tweet uh, was an interesting story about how he played Yuta Takahashi uh, a while ago and how he was about to shake his hand, but it wasn't. he found out it wasn't part of their culture, Japanese culture, to offer a post-match handshake. And he also learned that they, they spread the 15-card cyborg face down before each game as a respectful way to prove that all cards are in place. They never pile shuffle each other's decks, so it's pretty cool. Like I didn't, even, I didn't know this about uh, there was a Japanese thing to to show fifteen distinct cards and everything as a respectful way. So reading that story was was pretty cool. And um, when when he lost the second time they faced, he picked up his cards and gave a nod, quick bow motion while looking at him, uh, while looking him in the eye with a congratulatory smile. Good game and good luck in the last round, I said. And he said back, uh, you too. So that was a cool story. Uh, but the, 
I don't the, the topic came up because at the SCG Cincinnati Open, uh, someone won a game and the winner offered the handshake first, and then you know people went nuts about it. Uh, Derek, first uh, a quick little two cent your two cents on the topic. Uh, yeah, I definitely think people are just once again blowing things out of proportion. Um, if somebody doesn't want to shake your hand, they don't want to shake your hand. If somebody wants to shake your hand, they want to shake your hand. Uh, it bothers me if I lose and my opponent like juts their hand out and looks <laughs> me in the eyes. I'm like, yeah, I'll shake your hand. But like, other than that, it's like whatever, right? Like, I've played a lot of matchup matches that are important or for something, and there's been a little bit of tension. Um, happened to me at GP New Jersey uh, last year, and it was kind of weird. Neither of us shook hands. We just sort of walked off, but I think that just happens in Magic, and people really blow things out of proportion. Um, just communicate with your opponent. Be nice to them. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Edgar, what, what's, your normal, what's your normal routine? So whenever I lose, I extend my hand no matter what happened. Like, I think people who complain that, like, oh, it wasn't a good game or whatever, they're, they're just being babies. Like, you lost a game of Magic, get over it. But if I win and my opponent is visibly salty or anything, I don't... I also try not to, like, throw fuel in the fire by extending my hand. Even though I think that, the, like, if I did extend my hand, they shouldn't get upset over it and they should just accept it. Like, if I'm salty and my, my winning opponent extends their hand, I'm still going to shake their hand. Uh, I just think people need to stop being babies in both directions about it. Like, it's just, it's just not an, it's, it's such a non-issue, like Derek's saying. Like, people are just blowing it out of proportion. And, like, it's just a good sportsman thing, sports, sportsmanship thing. And can, I I, uh, can I just, are you saying that I'm right? Yes, I am saying that. Oh, can I, can I get you to say it? No. Uh, okay, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Scoreboard remains zero. Okay. <laughs> Our first strike. Uh, I have the same. I have the same uh, attitude as you, Edgar. Uh, my routine is the same. I extend when I lose, and when I win, uh, it's a play play by the ear type of situation. You know, my my opponent might not be someone who, who's used to playing games and giving handshakes, so. You gotta play it by ear and, and know what's going on. But when I lose, um, definitely extend the handshake regardless of what happened during the game. Wish them good luck for the rest of the tournament, and, and that's it. So uh, that's what I do. Um, Edgar, do you have any? Are you are you gonna write more for SCG Premium? What what you got going on as we let you go? Anything you would like to plug? Yeah, I have another article in the works right now. It'll be going up on SCG hopefully soon once I finish it. Um, but besides that, I guess follow me on Twitter. Feel free to ask any questions. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to spread the amulet knowledge. Like, try to get, get it back on the map. Maybe, maybe it'll mean I'll, I'll start lo- losing more. But like, it, it feels good to help people out. So, um, I have a question for Edgar. What's the What's the article about? Uh, it's It's going to be mostly about the tournament, why I chose to play, what I did, and yeah, more of like a cyborg guide, like primer style article for the deck because there's been some interest in that. Um, thank you so much, Edgar. I, I knew we would have you again on the show, but uh, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time and, and coming on. I really appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, hope to talk to you again soon once you kill it. And and Team Edgar, of course, uh, being shown by Derek. So thanks again, Edgar, and and we'll talk to you soon.
That was Edgar Magal Hayes, uh, multiple GP top eight master, master of the amulet Titan archetype. Also just top forward SCG Cincinnati. And uh, just uh, someone that has been playing longer than I think and longer than I thought, but has been posting up results. And it seemed by a lot of people to be uh, an either rising or up and comer. And I know a lot of people who are paired against him go up to me and say, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm against Edgar. You know, it's like people see him, but uh, highly regard him. So right now we got my man, the streamer extraordinaire, Travis Sowers. Goes by Samuelin. Uh, you can see him streaming basically every weekday, and he plays Magic a lot. So interesting to take his knowledge about MTG Arena. How's it going, Travis? Hey, KYT. Doing good over here. How are y'all, man? Uh, very good and very glad to, to have you come and make time for us. Um, before we go into like MTG Arena and all that stuff, do you want to plug... First Strike Nation. To join that, go to patreon.com slash first strike. And I had Travis do, um, I've been asked by a bunch of people with their RPTQ coming up and and some people who um, recently, someone privated messaged me on Facebook saying like, it's their first RPTQ in a while. They just want to make it back to the Pro Tour. They haven't touched Rivals rivals in Ixalan in a a long time or if ever and have no idea how to approach SEAL, stuff like that. So I had Travis do a course exclusively for uh, the First Strike Nation group. Um, he spent, you said you spent around 10 hours on it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I told him to just make a crash course where it would take someone to go from zero to 60 as quick as possible and get them to a point where they, they feel like they, they got a winning shot to, to top four of the RPTQ or top eight, which, however the size of it. Something I didn't tell you about that video series, <laughs> which I thought was funny. So the day before, I wasn't feeling super well, but I was like, okay, I got to do this sealed video series for KYT. Uh, I should do some sealed. So I loaded it up. I built a deck. I played two rounds and just got absolutely smashed. I was like, okay, no worries. And then I went and did the videos. Okay, so I spent you know, most of the day Wednesday on that. And then I fired up the stream on Thursday and looked at the pool I'd built. And I was like, I didn't follow the advice that I gave in that video series. I built this wrong. I built it correctly and then won the next three games. <laughs> oh, man. So I actually helped myself by, by recording the videos. <laughs> I can't help but looking at Derek and, and his constant reactions. But uh, yeah, it was great to, to get someone with your level of experience. Um, you drafted the format and played the format way more than most people I know, me included. And uh, it's good to get your thoughts in there. And again, just to plug our Patreon, just extra stuff we do uh, for anyone who contributes to this show. And uh, you can just check it out uh, to join the nation. It's a $10 level and you can unsub at any time. And we're planning to do this for every major set. So probably going to get, if the response is great, feedback's great, get Travis to do it again for Dominaria if he's available. And you can just jump in, unsub if you're not interested in the set and just to check out the series and everything else. Uh, the cyborg guys, everything else that we've got going on in the nation. So be sure to check that out. But now let's jump to the topic at hand: MTG Arena. Derek, you you only tried it a bit. Is that? Yeah. Um. So when I I I joined up for the beta just because I thought it was going to be the next moto. Um. I I it really reminds me of like Hearthstone, which I think is what they're trying to go for. 
and I don't really like, I like the way Moto looks right now. Um, and I, so I don't really like the new out, like the new look. And I don't like that. It's only the last two standard sets or the last three standard sets. Um, so there's no real reason for me as a competitive player to be trying to play it. But, uh, so I played it a bit. It didn't really pique my interest, but I watched a lot of streamers. Like there's a lot of non magic streamers streaming it. Um, and it looks really interesting and fun if I wasn't trying to like practice for an RPTQ or if I wasn't trying to play a PTQ on the weekend. Uh, it's just not for me, I don't think. Right. But Travis, you're one of the few people that probably have, I mean, maybe you don't think so, but messed around with the client, the new client the most early impressions. Uh, to me, I said this the first time I saw the previews, I thought, I was shocked at how crisp the animations were. Um, I expected some sort of laggy bug <laughs> at some point. Watching you jumping in your stream multiple times, I saw Medina stream multiple times. I didn't see that. I just saw these really cool animation. I was surprised, honestly surprised. Like, where were these developers in the first place? I think Derek actually had one of the most fair criticisms I've heard, which is a good one, which was basically this is not competitive magic and it's not for me. That's okay. I don't, I don't think that's really what it's designed for. I'd be really surprised if a competitive scene doesn't develop around it, uh, which is something that I'm obviously very interested in. But yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It plays well. I've been playing magic for fun. Um, the entirety of the time I've had magic online installed since I did my first video for Mana Deprived a million years ago, I have not played Magic Online unless I was recording a video or streaming, but I played, <laughs> I played Arena on Saturday just for about 30 minutes to get my quest done for fun, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. Hey, can you repeat, Derek, why isn't this for the competitive player? Why isn't it for you? It just, it just has no... Um, I feel like it has no real-world applicability, uh, so you, it's not real standard. You can't take whatever deck you're going to play on Arena to a Grand Prix. You can't play sealed, as far as I know, in a pure sealed format right now. And you can't draft the same, as far as I understand it. Um, and there's, like, no, like, there's no, like, room. So there's, like, no competitive room. There's no, like, casual room. It's just, like, very, it's like quests. Like you said, you're, like, grinding to get different things. Uh it's just like Moto, Moto isn't like that. There's like a, a set league for competitive and there's a standard meta game and a sealed league and a draft league. And like, if you're looking to level up in your play skill, I think Moto's the way to do it. But if you're looking to like get into magic and learn the different uh, things like what are, mechanics or like you want to understand how combat works properly or you want to understand how like turn sequences go, I think arena is the way to do it. I think it's just like uh, somebody said it was a really good replacement for duels of the Planeswalkers for like newer players. Uh, and I think that that was a good analogy, in my opinion. I think it is. I also think it's a good bit more than that. Um, I, I think what Magic Online is trying to do is basically replicate the paper experience, right? And it, it does a fantastic job at that. It's basically essentially paper magic with a chess clock. I think what Arena is trying to do is, is bring us a different way to play Magic. So for you guys, y'all are talking about, I'm getting ready to go to my RPTQ. I've got the standard tournament to practice for. I don't have any of that. I don't really play GPs anymore. I just stream Magic online. 
So for me, I can play the game Magic in a format that's like balanced against itself with other people who are looking to play that. So I think it, it is that great introduction. And I, one thing that I, I think a lot of people miss here, you can tell me if I'm nuts with this, I, I feel like there have always kind of been gatekeepers in Magic, whether it's the, the jerks at the local game store, um, you, you know, the, the, the cost to entry for Magic Online, which was basically pay $10 to look at it, and then you know, another 25 if you actually want to play anything. And here, I mean, once this is released, it's free. You just fire it up and start playing. So I think it's got all of that going for it and more. I, but I agree, it's, it's a different thing. It's not trying to capture paper exactly. Although weirdly, as I was playing it, it felt more like paper because there's not that chess clock. Things are relatively fast-paced and quick. Um, so I, I've, I've been super thrilled with it. I've heard some criticisms, but like I, I haven't heard anything that was actually valid other than <laughs> I want to play something closer to paper, which is fine, or just Stockholm Syndrome from I like Magic Online, but I mean, come on, Magic Online's not a video game. It's a recreation of a paper card game. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Arena is something completely different from Moto, and I, uh, that's why I think when I think of newer players, instead of going to the store, uh, I think the people that I would, I would meet at stores, sorry, that were new, would be coming from Duels of the Planeswalkers. They would go to their local store to get their promo or whatever. They'd be like, when can I play Magic? And they would come in, and they would just get slaughtered, or they would have a bad experience, because like you said, they're gatekeepers. With Arena, I think the transition is a lot nicer from learning to play Magic in a free open game that doesn't cost that much that you can grind like Hearthstone if you want to. And then now you're immersed in this wonderful game of Magic the Gathering. And if you want to, you can go to a Grand Prix or you can play at your local FNM. And it's like more of an enjoyable experience uh, where compared to like Moto is sort of an eyesore, right? And if, if you don't understand, like the first time I played Moto, I tried to cast silence on my opponent's upkeep. I didn't know how to put an upkeep stop and just cast it on their main phase after they already cast a spell. And I'm like, this is not what I wanted to do. And I didn't play Moto for like a year after that. And uh, I, I assume that's how it works for a lot of new players too. And But like, also to be fair, like you can transition into Paper Magic through Arena, or you don't have to, you can play there. But like, I've met, I think, two people in my life that said they started playing Magic through Magic Online. The route to Magic Online was I played Paper and then I found this. So we're kind of opening up the floodgates for people to find Arena first and then play it. But like, it, like I said, I, I've got nothing but positive reviews for Arena, and I can see so much more potential. So I, I'm, I'm anxious for the next update. The first one, like I, I played before the NDA was released, obviously, and it was great, just Ixalan block constructed. And now adding in a whole new set, all the mechanics are going well. The, you know, I've encountered some very minor bugs, but it, it seems to be just going fantastic. Think of... Uh back to when we used to talk about magic as an esport, I think uh, arena would be the way to do it. Heck yeah, um, man. It'd be like the next step, just making a good arena platform compared to trying to push moto. Yeah. Agree. Hmm. Trying to, trying to sort my thoughts here, but Derek, you're, you're just saying that it, in its current state, it's not serving you any competitive purpose, but that it might, it might not be the case in the in future updates. Yeah. So Wizards Wizards has stated that they're not adding modern cards. They're only releasing new sets, um, which right now is not very good for somebody like me 
because uh, I can't play a full standard. Like if I wanted to practice for Seattle two weeks from now, I can't do that on arena. If I want to practice for a modern Grand Prix like Hartford, I can't do that. Um, it just it limits what you can do. And so that's why I think for people who aren't, who don't really care about like the format as much as just enjoying the game of magic and like having an experience, I think arena is good for that. Um, maybe in two years when they have a full standard set or when they, when they start showing how sets are supposed to play out on arena instead of like random videos for the pro tour or like they showcase these things at uh, like E3 or something could be like far in the future. I think that that's where arena would start showing for the competitive player. But right now I don't, I just don't think it's that. I I actually disagree a tiny bit here. I think even then uh, the competitive paper player is not going to be interested in arena because it's not like if you're going to practice for a GP that you're going to go in the tournament practice room and throw your deck down and, and get ready for some intense practice, right? Like, nobody does that. I've played for standard GPs before, and I'm not interested in that at all. I need to be in a league. I need to be in at least at least the friendly leagues, usually the competitive ones. Because if there's not a, a dollar or two on the line, then people are just going to show up with random jank. And that's, that's still going to happen on Arena two years from now, regardless of how competitive it gets. I think there will be a competitive Arena player that we'll begin to see in in you know six months, a year, two years, however long it takes. So I I think it's just creating something entirely different than paper. So like if I'm getting ready to practice for a standard GP in two years and I can play standard on arena, I still don't think I want to unless there's competitive events there. It kind of looks like there won't be. It might be ladder play. I'd rather still go do that on Magic Online. That's what that's for. But if I if I if I want to play Magic. In, in maybe an esports fashion or maybe to stream like it, it so much better to watch than magic online. It's pretty, there's sound effects, but I, I think that's the key difference. I don't think the competitive paper player is ever really going to get that invested in arena. I think we're going to see a whole new crop of magic players develop on this. And some of them will transition to paper and some of them want, uh, but that, that doesn't really matter. As long as magic's growing, it's good for everybody that plays. Yeah. When I, I agree with your statement, um, definitely, I also agree that there will be competitive arena play compared to like competitive magic players that are playing arena. Sort yeah. of like how people like didn't play card games before when they started grinding Hearthstone, or like they're they're like competitive Hearthstone players that aren't competitive card game players. But um, I also do think that there will be some amount of competitive magic players that will go into arena because it's another competitive outlook. Right. And start to like grind the ladder or try to go to like maybe if there's arena Grand Prix or arena PTQs, whatever they have on the horizon. Right. Um, But I don't think that it won't be competitive. Eventually, it will create its own environment to be competitive because that's just what gamers are. Right. Yeah. That's how we roll. Yeah. (laughs) Who likes losing? Travis, do you, do you find that you've been getting more? Well, how do you see like the landscape of Twitch streaming when it comes to Magic? I've seen like Caleb Durward, who's one of the most popular streamers at night in terms of uh, when it comes to Eastern Time, nighttime. Um, his recent title is like uh, not playing Arena until there's modern or something until it supports modern, and he's still slaying it. I'm quickly looking at the page right now, and most of them are actually streaming Arena. 
Um, how do you how do you see this playing out? Do you see that most of the is it going to be a mixed thing, or do you think most casual streamers will will just stream the the new client because it's just much cooler to watch? Like when I saw you play Glorybringer, it's just as a casual watcher, it was just like it was just so badass. Yeah, it's really cool. I, you know, more people are watching Magic right now than have been in a long time, if you just look at the viewership numbers. And I think it was a really good decision by Wadsey not to make a separate category in Twitch games for MTG Arena. So this is all kind of lumped together. So if somebody tunes in to watch a, a Hearthstone Pro tryout Arena and they like the game, they can find other people who are playing it. They can find Magic Online. They can find all of these offerings. You know, I don't know what the landscape's going to look like. But I am anticipating that over time, Arena will generate more interest in, in itself by itself. So it kind of becomes this, this snowball style effect. Um, so right now, I, Magic Online's been around for nearly 20 years. I played in the beta for that, too. I'm old. But like, <laughs> yeah, a lot more people are wanting to watch that right now the, of, of the audience that was already there, right? Like if you've been tuning into Magic streams for the past three years and watching them, and you check out this new thing, you're like, well, it doesn't have modern, it sucks. Well, when I started playing Magic Online, it didn't have Urza's Legacy, and the Power Nine weren't even in there until like five years ago. Like, I remember, so I'm like, give it some time. We may have a bunch of cool stuff in here, but I, I really think Arena will begin to generate its own audience, and there'll be people that move towards it and people that move away from it. Some people are going to love it, some people aren't. But for me, as someone who's just basically lost interest in paper, like the only GP I'm doing this year is GPDC, and that's because I could walk to it and it's a team GP, like it's an excuse for Martin to fly down and us to hang out and go play a GP. Other than that, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get a hotel room. Like <laughs> I'm doing that. I like my house, so like Arena's perfect for me. <laughs> All right, we got to, to wrap up the show. We're gonna wrap up in about ten ten minutes. Uh, we had we have to welcome back an old favorite of ours, John Mandina in the house, who's also jumped in the stream game. So great to have him and Travis on the show. We're just talking about Rena. We've already talked about how uh, Derek talks about how it's not currently for the competitive player. It's not for the serious player. (laughs) The Um, pro players. (laughs) The pro players. Um, And uh, I jumped on your stream today, John, and you had mentioned how – and. People in, in your chat talked about how they still like Hearthstone, the look of it more because Hearthstone was built from the base as an online game, whereas they're trying to port over a paper game to to digitally, and it doesn't uh, necessarily because they have to do that and make it look somewhat like the paper game. They can't make it as nice and as like native for for the digital world. And uh, I was hoping you disagreed because I felt like I'm getting mind blown that I'm still getting mind blown <laughs> by the animation and how slick it looks. And I'm, I feel like I'm the only one that feels like, wow, this thing looks like it works and doesn't crash. Have, have you played a lot of Hearthstone, KYT? Uh, not, not that much. Okay. The, the Hearthstone does, I think Hearthstone does the animations and the cards better. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's partly like they're kind of like their attitude, you know? Like, uh, you know, they have that kind of like smart aleck, like, you know, indie developer attitude, you know, where they can like patch in like Leroy Jenkins, you know, like you play that and it's fun, you know? And so, and magic is more corporate. It's more kind of like, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, just like it feels that way a little bit. And, and Arena feels that way. I think Arena is a huge improvement on Magic Online as far as visual goes and like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, mechanical play. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, so, like, if you're coming from MTGO and you're looking at Arena, sure, your mind's going to be blown, man. Yeah, but my like, mind is blown. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's great, man. I think it's a, it's a great, um, I think it's a great product. Uh, I, I do, I do feel like a lot of enfranchised players. Somebody said this on Twitter, like uh, Magic Arena's biggest problem is going to be the enfranchi- enfranchised players. And you know, you know how Magic players like to complain about things, right? And and this is yeah, his face. You know, this is just it, man. They're gonna complain like this is not our game. You know, like get off my lawn. You know, the fact is, man, we need something like this, okay? Because Hearthstone is kicking Magic's butt, okay? Just kick, just slaying it, okay? And so, like all these all these tournament players and these pros, you you take up a very small amount of real of real Magic players, okay? There's this whole other group of Magic players called the Invisibles, right? And those are the people that really spend the money, okay? Those are not the people, like, borrowing decks and, like, grinding out value. These Invisibles are the people, like, when you have a Magic store that you open up, you want those guys to be shopping at your shop, you know? Forget about the tournament grinders, you know? That's a very small percent. And so... With Magic Arena, I feel like we're going to capture some of those invisibles, some of those people who maybe play Magic casually. Um, well, they definitely have to get it on, like, tablets and stuff like that, I mean, before before this stuff starts happening. But if they could actually, like, roll this out to all the different platforms, like Hearthstone, then, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring... I, I was listening to you guys, and it is going to take on a life of its own, like you guys are saying. I totally agree. And there's going to be... It's going to be a whole different thing, man. Travis, Travis, you wanted to chime in. Go ahead. Yeah. People saying that Blizzard didn't have to port a paper card game into Hearthstone are forgetting something. I'm old. I've played a lot of Blizzard games. There was a World of Warcraft trading card game not that long ago. It was in paper, and it was a spectacular failure. The only reason people were buying it was to get the loot cards for World of Warcraft. And the game was Hearthstone. It played almost exactly the same way. It was paper Hearthstone, and nobody bought it. Uh, it I don't know video. if it was. It wasn't Hearthstone. Come on. It's, it had the classes. It had a different mana system. It was close enough. It was right? like the spiritual predecessor, but it was not Hearthstone. Like, sure, sure, Hearthstone sure. went through so many iterations before it actually became like what, it, what its current incarnation is. Because like you had a, uh, it did have the perfect mana system because you could play a card from your hand face down, and that would be your mana for the turn. But you're using a resource for that. You're using a card in your hand, which is totally different. It's a different mechanic, but it did have perfect mana in that sense, right? Sure, sure, sure. And I'm I'm not arguing that they're necessarily exact. I'm saying Blizzard made a paper card game that was very similar to what Hearthstone was, and the Uh only reason people bought it was because they wanted the loot for World of Warcraft. Right. They transitioned it to a video game, and everybody's in. That means I think there's a bigger audience for digital CCGs that are free to play with maybe some small monetization, cheap packs, fingers crossed. That's why I think arena's primed to explode. Like magic's already the most successful paper card game that there is. And now we get a digital version of it. Like that's kind of why I'm stoked. Like blizzard wasn't able to do this in paper, but was online. And yeah, I think you're right. Hearthstone's got a huge market share right now of people playing digital card games. 
So like for, for me looking at, they tried to do this in paper and it didn't work, did it online and it did. I'm excited for, for the future of Arena because of that. I think part of the reason it didn't work in paper is because of the stranglehold that Magic has on the market in general and, and the pressure to be as good as Magic. If you're going to bring a paper card game to the table, you have to be as good as Magic. It's so hard to get a Magic player to play anything else because, <laughs> they, you know, it's true, man. It's true. Yeah. The, the diehard players, man, they don't want to play anything else, man. And then when you start playing it, you start doing the Magic player thing where you're like, oh, this game sucks, man. Like, you know, look at this or look at that. And um, and so, yeah, of course, there's a lot of pressure there. They, they moved to the digital space, and yes, they did. I think they used the core of that game, but it did go through a lot of iterations, and boom, here they are. Now they have the stranglehold on the digital market, in my opinion, and, you know, now Magic has to feel the pressure of, of that, you know? So it's kind of like a poetic justice in a way, you know? I did play that game, by the way. My buddy got me into it, the, the old World of, what was it, World of Warcraft card game or whatever. Yeah, and it wasn't he did bad. get some sweet loot out of it, you know? <laughs> it wasn't bad. I'm still using one of the mounts. Like, it's, it's fine. You're but still like, using one of the mounts? Yeah. That's awesome, man. But like, I, I, and, and I agree, like, there's a lot of competition here, but I think Magic has a lot of history and a lot of weight to it. And like I said, I'm, I'm excited to see what Arena will do for us. They also have that, um, they do have world building, right? This is one of, the, one of the things that they've really amped up where like they're, they're capitalizing on this idea of building a story. They have like an army of artists that can recreate that world. And, you know, they can really go to town on these effects and these, all, this, all the art to go with it. And uh, I think they, they, should, they should capitalize on that. They should, they should lean on that because that's something, having that breadth of... Um, of knowledge and kind of experience uh, can really give them a leg up on the Hearthstone thing. It can also differentiate their, their product from their, from the Hearthstone product, right. From an artistic standpoint. <laughs> KYT just laughs. No respect, man. No respect. <laughs> I'm trying so hard and rooting so hard for Travis to disagree with you, but I don't want it to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't disagree with him. I think he's right. Like yeah. there's, there's some challenges ahead for arena, but I, I do think basically we're saying the same thing. There's a lot of weight behind wizards and magic and a lot of like culture and background and art and just a lot of cool stuff. And I'm excited to be able to share that with new people. I think that's one of the biggest uh, things that, that Arena has going for it. It's, it's so great that new people, I mean, all those, a lot of those guys who are watching my stream came from Pokemon. Like, I, I play a lot of Pokemon TCG on my stream. Uh, that's how I started streaming. And so all those guys are following me from Pokemon, and they're watching me play Magic Arena, you know? And so, I mean, those guys are, huh, this looks interesting. I, I think I want to try it out. And I think we're going to see a lot of that happening. What are some of the criticisms about this game? Like, I, I, I hear people basically trash talking it, and I'll see tweets every now, now and then about, like, what are people mad about? What did they not like? Like, a, a Derek had mentioned earlier, it's not for the competitive paper magic player. And you're, you're right, it's not. That aside, what's not to like? I think there's a couple of criticisms. Number one is the card pool. So we've, we've talked a little bit about that. Or I heard you guys talking about that. The card pool is a criticism. Um, the stops, right, for uh, when you're going to interact, they're not as clean uh, as the Magic Online client, right? You know exactly when. And that's part of what make, makes Magic Online a pain in the butt is because they have all yeah. these little technical stops, right? But for, like, a really technical player, 
you're kind of like, well, wait, what's happening here? It's there's this worry that you kind of carry. Like, am I am I gonna like miss my opportunity to respond to something? Essentially, um, so I think that that's some of the criticism. It looks like someone from chat says there's no economy for uh, arena. How do I get the cards that I want? Um, you know, I, I think that there is an economy. There's these uh, wild cards, and from what I could tell, those drops are pretty high right now. I mean, I'm getting wild cards like crazy. They're handing out like candy, man. Um, you can also buy cards. Not right now, but that's the economy, man. It's yeah. free to play, but you have to pony up some cash. That's, that's the right. economy. You spend some dollars, you get some packs. Bring the whales out, man. Yeah. <laughs> if they the price the packs out. right, this is going to explode. Like If they've got anything close to $1.50 packs, it's nothing for me to drop 50 bucks for a new expansion. Like I'd, I would be thrilled. If, if they can price it somewhere like a, a dollar, a dollar and a half. And that's what most of the other uh, digital card games are, are pricing at. So I, I, I have to believe it's going to be around then. And, and that would super please me. I want to see draft too. It's the one thing I'm waiting on, but like it's early, it's beta. Yeah, it is beta still guys. And it's it, for, for a beta, it's pretty good. I play, I've been playing it since, uh, I don't know. I've been playing it for a month now, two months, maybe. I don't know how long it's been. But it's been it's been getting improvements. It's been looking good. I don't feel like there's anything that I'm just kind of like, man, they shouldn't have done that, you know, or man, this is going the wrong direction. It all seems to be going the right direction. Yeah. And I think if they can nail down the economy stuff, like like you were saying, uh, Travis, with the money, like how much is it going to cost? Like, don't get greedy, guys. Like, because that's that's one way to shut the door here. Like, you know, if we could buy a pack from Hearthstone for you know a dollar, a dollar fifty, and we have to pay three dollars for your packs. It's not going to happen, man. One of the reasons I play Pokemon is because I can buy those packs for like a quarter a piece. And like, you know, it's like, it's stupid, you know? <laughs> yeah. Why would you not? Yeah. I mean, why not play when you can, you know, you can get in for, you know, 50 bucks and have like competitive deck and all that stuff, you know? <laughs> what are you guys, best friends? Um, I, think the whole <laughs> I like this guy. Ball. You know, I've seen Travis on the show before. Uh, I, I, I guess you're a streamer, right, Travis? Yes. Okay. Uh, more bromance. Uh, I, you know, I've never watched you stream, and it's no, no disrespect or anything. I just never happened to catch you streaming. But uh, I've watched you on the show, and I always, I always find myself agreeing with your opinions. <laughs> I like this guy. He's a smart guy. <laughs> and so, like, when KYT's like, man, I just want them to disagree, I'm like, that's probably not going to happen. The guy's super reasonable, pretty <laughs> smart, sharp guy. You know, like, I, I doubt that I'm going to disagree with him. Plus, he has a look at that awesome mic. You don't disagree with a guy like, with a mic like that, man. Look at that thing. That's professional, man. Where's your mic, KYT? Where's your mic at? Uh, success. <laughs> I'm trying to be successful as well. If he, try, if he moves the camera to show you the mic, his entire rig falls apart. <laughs> no, no, no. So he, he can't show you the mic. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Okay. All right. I have respect for you now, KYT. Um, Finkel, Finkel tweeted, uh, was one of the tweets that, that Travis may have seen or his viewers might have uh, shown him. Finkel actually wrote, I played one match with Arena and then couldn't bring myself to play another. I think at this point, it's better to scrap it entirely than to try to fix it. I really hope I'm wrong, though. He doesn't specify in future tweets, but he said that he put in a much more detailed, specific critique than my tweet. Like, they probably said, Watsy something. Uh, In match play, it was just so much worse than old MTGO. And maybe... Uh, seeing the stops, seeing the stages of the game, like you said, John, was one of the reasons. I, I don't know. I, I don't get that, man. How could... Uh, okay, I'm not trying to diss Finkel, you know. 
Finkel's like, you know, royalty and all this, right? And I, I would ne- I would never say bad things about him. But, like, I don't get how you can play a game for fun, right? You play a match of arena, and you have so much criticism, so much criticism that you cannot bring yourself to play another match. You have to write a huge, detailed critique. You played one match, and you have that many bad things to say? Like, a normal person does not have that many bad things to say. And I'm not saying, you know, he's not normal. I'm just saying, like, what happened? Dick. Maybe I'm, like, way level. Maybe I'm, like, level zero, and I don't understand. Can someone help me understand? Cause yeah, what I, I, I think, I, I think I you definitely this. are level zero. <laughs> Derek, <laughs> I, I, I think that you are a, a great Magic player. I've watched some of your videos. Like, I actually enjoy your content. Would, would you say that Finkel might be a better Magic player than you? Me? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think Fink- he's probably a better magic player than any of us, right? Fink- Finkel is, is is better than everybody watching this stream right now. Everybody who's going to listen to it as a podcast and everybody on the podcast combined times three. Yeah. Okay. So we. I don't know. Mike Flores might be listening, so <laughs> we do have to consider that. <laughs> he listens to what I have to say. Mike Flores listens to me. He, he does sometimes. Sometimes. Wow! <laughs> Derek's initial reaction of this is not for me because I can't test for a GP. This is not for me because I can't play sealed. Like, I, I expect that John is feeling that in the same way that Derek did times 1,000. He's like, I'm a competitive Magic player. For him, I, I, don't, I, I don't know I'm not him, but I imagine when he sits down, the fun is probably in puzzling out how to win, not oh. in I cast a cool card and it looks neat. So I can see okay. why it doesn't appeal to him, but I, I don't think it's for him. I don't think it's for people who are trying to replicate the paper experience. Not to mention, like, Finkel also has, like, a real-time job and does all these things on the side. Like, he probably doesn't have that much time. His concentration is not on casual magic, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the biggest thing I've noticed on Twitter of MTG Arena is that people don't want to spend time grinding to get uncommon and commons. Like people are doing all these things and they say like, I just want to buy these cards and play. I don't want to sit here and grind through all these things. And I think that just shows that the competitive player is used to playing Moto and not Arena and they don't want to put up with these literal grinds of hours and hours to get like maybe a Mythic or two. Like the best thing I've seen opened is a Huatli. Haven't seen a Bolas yet. I don't know. Like, like who, who has Gearhawks? Who has Scarab Gods? Like, I got two okay. hazards. Bring it. Okay. Well, yeah. Like you probably just crush some of the rooms, right? Because they don't have these mythics. Like, how else do you get them? I, I wouldn't grind if it wasn't fun. Right now, it's in the beta, and I'm playing for fun, and I'm enjoying it. And these people that don't want to grind don't have to. As soon as the the pay to play goes live, like you can buy your packs. And l- like I said, I don't know what the investment will be, but if I can spend fifty bucks and have a competitive deck, and then still make inter- incremental improvements. I'm going to play that game all day. <laughs> I'm going to play that game all day. <laughs> I like that. You know what I hope they put on this? I hope that I know nobody cares. Nobody on this podcast cares, but they just introduced that brawl format, which is like EDH for standard. Oh man. I cannot wait till they put that on this client. If they don't, that's it. I'm not going to play another match. Yeah. Maybe they'll bring, <laughs> they'll bring tiny leaders on there too. And frontier. Yeah, frontier. Those are, those <laughs> all the fake formats. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, Brawl is real. Wizards said it was a real format. Oh, man, get ready, bro. Get ready. I'm, I'm so excited to play my Scarab God Commander and just 
play standard, but with one ounce. It's so exciting. You can play blue black. You can play blue splash black or black splash blue. Yeah, that's you guys, you guys, man. I should have never brought it up. I should. I don't know. I, I think it's a. It's going to be a real thing. Gavin brought it up. I think um, some of us thought probably Rob the most thought like Popper would just die, but. I mean, in store, like Frontier, I never got it uh, to run that much, maybe after the first event, but Popper has had 8 to 10. And now last week, apparently 14 people showed up to sort of play Popper. So um, that's something that's been jumping. And, well, obviously the Channel Fireball support at the GPs is huge versus the the type of Frontier uh, support that was really just a lot of content producers that was hyping it and and wanted to produce more content for it here popper we have some real uh big events supporting this format and i could see this happen to brawl versus like tiny leaders so wouldn't be surprised john all we need is tolerian community college to sign on man <laughs> as soon as that guy signs on brian his name's brian right brian yeah. sign on brian come on we need you brawl, he probably bro. will he probably will it's like it's that type of uh I think it's like an exciting format for for a lot of Hamad. I feel like I don't want to say it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm saying something insulting, like the casual crowd. Casual, you know, the casual. With being a casual player, man. Like games are fun. Play it. Um, I just wanted to, to mention also um, Michael Jacob. Back to the the Finkel thing. Uh, Michael Jacob replied to, to Finkel saying, "Agreed. My greatest issue is that it just wasn't fun." Uh, and then Andrew Cunio uh, yesterday decided to give Arena another try. It took about 90 minutes to update, build a deck, and get five wins. After that, there's nothing to do. UI is still slower than MTGO in a lot of places, which is sad. Timer system is a disaster. Beyond the economy, there's a lot that needs work. Wow. The okay. timer seems more like paper magic to me than Magic Online does, to be fair. Like, that's the one criticism I don't get. But, I mean, you're naming a bunch of people who are very competitive Magic players and probably only, inter- like, very interested in winning with something on the line to win. And, like, I, I had a mold of five today with my deck, and I was like, I'm just going to the next game. There's no incentive for me to sit here and suffer through this. Whereas I had a mold of five in Magic Online later in the stream, and I'm like, I'm going to grind every cent out of this. Just a different mentality going into the games, man. <laughs> the John's like, well, that's a pretty reasonable take face. <laughs> uh, John, have you followed Magic in, in between since, since your last time on the show, or, or you have let that on the back burner? Like, do you know any views on Iconic Masters or Masters 25? And uh, the last Dual Decks is coming out in two weeks, uh, Elves versus Inventors. And Dominaria short, shortly after, and also they've also there's a lot of new news. Um, you can now get a box of Dominaria at your pre-release. So if you're one of the first um, 60 people oh, to, wow. to to pre-order, you can pick it up at the pre-release with an exclusive buy a box promo. I saw that. Yeah. There's a lot of Reddit um, controversy, well, well, complaints because you can't get that promo or that card anywhere else. So you have to be one of the first 60 to get it. But to me, that's exciting for, for people who just want to get a box and start drafting or, or sealing or, or preparing for the Pro Tour right away. You can just crack open a box on pre-release weekend. That's, that's crazy stuff. 
I think it's great. I, I have been keeping up with magic uh, here and there. I have not um, like been deep in magic, uh, but yeah, I've been keeping up. Uh, I think Dominaria looks awesome. Uh, I think it looks like a great set. Like I think that um, you know, uh, I think it's, it's it looks deep. You know, like some of the design choices and stuff like that look like they're going to be interesting. Um, you know, the BioBox exclusive, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's going to be expensive. You know, I mean, the card's not that great, but. Um, you know, uh, it's a, what is like a six mana uh, two color commander card or whatever brawl card, right? Or six six mana, I think it is, or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, I think anything anything with a limited, you know, uh, a limited availability, people are going to get mad about, like like they did with the uh, what were those called, the from the vaults, right? Uh, because you can only get some of them and, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's great. You can open a box right there at pre-release. You know, one of the big things about playing pre-release is so you can win the packs and you can have the stack of packs at the end of the day. Of course, I never had that because I'm not very good at magic. But, you know, I would trade for those packs and then I would open them and, and have the new stuff right there. That's fun, man. That's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I don't know. You, you kind of shotgun a lot of stuff at me there. Um, yeah. I have, I have been keeping up, but I don't know if you wanted some specific commentary on anything. No, 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 not, not really. I think um, the general commentary is that Watsi has been releasing too much stuff lately. Um, I do find this really, really exciting because John Stern would always, uh, he's been qualified for every Pro Tour since I can remember now. <laughs> and uh, at the end of pre-releases, you'd have to like, to practice, to get some serious paper practice, you had to like gather everyone who did what well to pre-release, coordinate all the packs. You have to set up a draft. Here, you know, just just buy a couple of boxes. You're not even limited unless stores limit you on the amount of boxes that you can get. Right. Wow. Um, so you can buy. Well, I assume it's not cool to buy the first sixty. If like you're like, hey, I'm John Medina, give me sixty boosters <laughs> and sixty promos, um, and then the next guy's like. Wah, wah, but um I yeah. would do that too. <laughs> I'll you be like, it's like the iPhone, like you can sell these early after <laughs> everyone behind me, I'll be like, hey guys, don't worry, see me afterward. We'll get you, we'll get you straightened out, okay? <laughs> Let's just put a little bit on top, you know. Come on, guys. We gotta eat. I gotta eat, bro. <laughs> I think Travis just rolled his eyes there. Um yeah, that that would that would, I I wonder if it's like the the iPhone people start selling it for extra because they have it. Um, hashtag MTG Finance. Just yeah. buy everything. Yeah, sell so it. Go to every store. Make sure you're one of the sixty or how how much. I, I think I'm just throwing sixty uh, because that's the amount uh, that Face is getting. But I think it differs depending on how big the store is and. Uh, Again, based on what's cur- like, they just put this out the news like last week in the middle of last week. They're like, "Oh, this this buy a buy a box promo thing." So, um, but to, like to me, I never found them to this to be possible to, to have a box that you could basically do your own event with on the on pre release weekend. Like, I, I think Watsi's blowing KYT's mind left and right, man. They're releasing yeah. media, blow his mind. Give you a box on pre-release? Blow his mind, man. <laughs> I mean, we we keep, uh, for MTGO, we kept moving when the set, like, it was a common complaint that, oh, a few weeks later, the set would come out. And now they kept bringing it back and back and back. And now it's like on the same day. 
So that's before. Yeah, it's now before even, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what? What's going on? So that's kind of crazy. And and, um, yeah. But we'll wrap up the show. Um, First, got to shout out Justin Roberge for being the first person to use the Super Chat function uh, on this channel. I never, I don't even know how to use it, but really much appreciated. My childhood best friend who has been also playing a bunch of arena from what I've seen on his Instagram stories. So shout out to you. Much love to you. Um, and uh, going to pull up the first strike producers. Shout outs to my secret admirer, jo- <laughs> comma, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, J. Thomas Eaton, Sasha Papel, Derek Pite, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Murchison, uh, and everyone in the first strike nation. And of course, if you want, to check out Travis's course, little crash course on Rivals of Ixalan. Um, go to patreon.com slash first strike. Get all the information there. I think until this month, I'm going to leave the option of getting a membership for the year. Um, so that will be left on there. Uh, John, plug your stream. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, guys, if you guys want to see me stream, just go to twitch.tv slash Medina streams. Or hit me up on Twitter, uh, at Medina Streams. So do that, and uh, you can see what I'm streaming. I'm trying all kinds of stuff, man. Magic Arena, Hearthstone, Pokemon, Fortnite, all the good stuff, guys. <laughs> More Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> Trav, <laughs> have you played Fortnite, Trav? No, I play PUBG. <laughs> plug your stream. Plug everything you're doing. You can find all my stuff at twitch.tv slash Simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. I'm on Twitter under the same name. And I do this podcast for a website. It's, it's not a pro website, uh, but if you want to check out manadeprived.com, uh, you can find Men From Moto. Ooh, Men From Moto. And Derek, what have you been? Have you, I've seen you've been uploading new videos for Man uh, Deprived, right? Yeah, I, I do videos uh, for Man Deprived and then uh, at Misplaced Ginger for Twitter, Twitch, like Instagram. If you want to follow my Instagram, I wouldn't suggest it. Uh, but yeah, that's me. I stream every once in a while, but not really a lot. Just play a lot of standard. You can you you can hit me up on Moto too if you really want to. Just get nice and personal. <laughs> Alrighty, and uh, obviously you can find me on KYT Magic on multitude of platforms. And uh, we will see you next week. It was great. Thanks for coming on, John. Thanks, Trav. Derek, uh, thanks again. And uh, we will see everyone next week. If you like this content, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, and give us a thumbs up. Thank you, and we will see you next week.